love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, this is our last show of, our last new show of 2021. How do you feel about that? Oh my gosh, Haley, I cannot believe it, but I'm so excited. I do love the holiday season. So you and I both celebrate Christmas, but definitely happy holidays to anyone out there celebrating any kind of festive things over the next few weeks. Um, but, and I love this time of year. It's just cozy. And I feel like it's just like fun. You get to see people. And I think this year we actually will get to like see family and uh, friends and, and things like that. And, but yeah, I mean, I can't believe that it's Christmas time and I Christmas shop really early. So like my Christmas shopping has been done for quite a while. And so it hasn't like that ha didn't even get me in the mood. And then we're like lacking snow here in New Hampshire. So Mentally, I'm trying to get myself pumped up to be like in the the holiday season, but um, but yeah, I mean, what fifty? How many episodes did we do then this year? Fifty episodes down in 2021. That's that's crazy. So that's exciting. It is exciting. It's been a it's been a good year of podcasting, and I do not do a good job of shopping early. I don't think I actually. I've had a kind of a wild last week. I was just thinking about this yesterday, like a week ago. I was you know, we go Sunday, last Sunday, I was racing in Palm Springs. And then I went to Los Angeles for a few days where I visited my mom. And then I flew back to Montana, I think on Wednesday. And that was also when I remembered I hadn't made any holiday cards this year. And so one of my other good friends, Nicole, she had done this last year where she like, you can actually like send a photo to CVS and then they'll put like a little like happy holidays on it. So I found a photo <laughs> on my phone of like me and cowboy and I sent it to CVS. This is like while I'm on my layover in Denver and, um, and it was, it was fairly cheap. I just did like a regular photo and it says happy holidays on it. And then by the time I landed in Bozeman, I could like stop by CVS on the way home. So this was only a few hours later and I picked them up. And oh so gosh. then so I like sent off, I got like 12 out only so far. I ordered 40 and I only got 12 out, but so far, but that was, I did that Thursday morning and then I flew to New York city actually. And, um, Whoa. I know I'm like, it was been a, in, and a very wild one week of off season, but, um, <laughs> because my sister had, um, gotten tickets for Hamilton, like the play Ooh. on Broadway. For, so I went with my family and it was, so incredible. And I had one of my athletes ask, she's like, Oh, do you just like love musicals? And I was like, no, like I, I'm not like from a musical family, but Hamilton is different. It is art. I think we talked about this, like, um, back when the Disney plus version came out. Cause I think it is still great trainer material. Um, and I, you know, for everyone, anyone who needs like, you know, a two and a half hour trainer ride, um, music, you know, and also just history lesson. <laughs> but on Broadway was it was spectacular. I was like weeping in the beginning because it's just so beautiful. And I know you saw it, I think you saw it in Richmond. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah. I saw it in Richmond and it was um, really, really good there. But I feel like the experience of going to New York City to see it on proper Broadway and everything would be so fun. And it would be like emotional to be there and seeing it that way. It is. There's something about hearing them like talk about like being in New York City and being in Manhattan and some of the songs reference New York and places in New York. And it was it was really incredible. So thank you to my sister for getting those tickets because that was a big Christmas gift. And, um, you know, and I will say New York City in December, it does feel like it feel made it feel like Christmas. So that was kind of how my family celebrated this year. We celebrated a little early and then I'm actually back in Bozeman now. So it's, it was a quick, very quick trip. I was like, oh my goodness, that's a lot of places I've been in the last week. And, um, you know, and now I'm, I'm back in more of a regular routine. And so it's probably good. Yeah. And it's, I think that's a really good excuse to get to go do that trip to have a little delay in getting out like half of your holiday cards, because also whenever you feel bad about your, how many holiday cards you've gotten out, just be like, Alyssa doesn't send out any. So I don't, I I don't think so. I mean, maybe I don't, I don't think so because maybe I thought about doing it once. I don't know. Maybe I like texted you a picture of me and Ramona one year. I don't know. There's still time. Maybe you texted me a picture. Well, that was... (laughs) That way, okay, honestly, that is like, I'm like, what do I get these people? I'm like, I know a picture of me and cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone wants. But I yeah, I haven't gotten them all out. But um, you know, there's still some time but CVS, it will do like you have it done in a few hours, you and Ramona. I mean, everyone I wants a picture of that or just Ramona. Like, that's I, true. I feel like that would be the winner. <laughs> Ramona on the couch. Yeah. That is great. But um, no, I love some holiday cards. I feel like I have gotten progressively worse about them each year. Like I used to get really creative and do fun things. And now I'm like, okay, one hour photo. <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll work and see if I see if I get any more out. But, um, you know, hopefully Cowboy brings some holiday cheer to a few few people. <laughs> You've had a much more exciting couple weeks or week or so than I have because like I said, New Hampshire has no snow, so I'm still just sitting here looking at all my snow toys that I'm excited to learn to use. Not a lot of new things going on, but Haley, I am I'm getting boosted this week, so I'm excited. That's like an exciting event in my life. It's been on Yay! my calendar now. So, going for my booster tomorrow, which means that I am drinking my Noon Immunity 3. So, Matt got his last week and he felt pretty good. I I mean, he definitely I think he skipped one afternoon workout so he could just like lay on the couch um and then he said his arm armpit has been hurting a little bit so i think that's something people said like their gland in their armpit i guess one of my athletes had that too where the lymph nodes were like swollen and kind of painful so i'm expecting you know any of those things to happen but i'm drinking i'm doing a very unscientific experiment by like filling myself up with noon immunity three like the mega boost immunity product that noon hydration has in these next 48 hours so that I go into it full of like all the good stuff. And then it's going to be like, yeah, see what you can do now, booster. So I hope that works. I have another noon immunity three story because Nicole Falcaro, who we've mentioned a few times, she's been on the show. She posted in her Instagram stories about how she made a mocktail on the plane, I think with like seltzer water and noon immunity and so I tried doing that and I will say, be careful how much noon immunity you put in because I like, there was like a little reaction and then it like exploded all over my trade table and, um, and I had to ask and your seatmate is like, what is going, what science experiment are you doing? You're like, don't worry. It's just a, it's just the experiment of health. <laughs> no, exactly. So only put like, I would say like less than a third, like, but then you can get three cups of seltzer and then put like a third of the packet 
into your seltzer, but it is delicious. It is like very good. So I do highly recommend that as like an airplane mocktail or at home mocktail. And, you know, just throw some, throw some new immunity into your La Croix and um, La Croix seltzer, whatever seltzer you have. Um, And it's kind of fun. I love it. No, that's a great idea. Um, I have one other airplane story because on the way to um, New York, I Did you get recognized. No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that doesn't usually happen unless I'm like dressed in full head to toe neon. And I was going like incognito. I was trying to dress like a New Yorker. Smash no chic. Did you feel like wear all the black smash that you have yeah. instead of all of the neon green smash? <laughs> yes, basically, I was like Googling what do people in New York wear? And it's like black. And I was like, oh, oh, this is gonna be hard for me. But anyway, um, I managed. But uh I um I uh, was like accidentally or like on the little direct TV they had like direct TV on the airplane and the Clash Daytona race was playing and I was like oh my god I actually need to like watch this and so I like played it and um I thought they did a really good job I think the coverage is going to replay on NBC on like January 1st but I had missed the race, like the actual like race coverage that they had on Facebook, I think, because I was at the pro meeting and doing all the stuff, getting ready for Indian Wells. And so they had like a little, I mean, I swear it was like a 30 minute recap of the race of like the men's and women's races. So like, they're very short. It's like, they basically showed like the start transitions, like, and then it's like transition and then finish. (laughs) So it's like, it's very short, but it was, I thought it was really cool. Like I did think it was like very well done. The commentating is really good. I think you have uh, Belinda Granger, Alicia Kay, both women who we've had on the podcast um, commentating and they show the venue. And I know that last year, I mean, I watched the whole thing for like four hours and this one was more like three minutes, but it was, it was just still cool. And it was fun to watch Jackie Herring, the, you know, her come from behind win and just passing Lucy Hall right at the end. They showed that that was pretty cool. And it was, it was fun. Like it made me fired up, you know, to go. I wish you were racing that one because or you had raced that one because then you could have been like, like, cause you clearly would have been first out of the water. So you would have like pulled a swim cap and goggles out of your back carry on and been like, put it on and been like, do you recognize anything here? Because this is actually reminding me of, one time flying to New Zealand, I was flying, I don't know if it was like when I was flying from South Island to North Island for the Ironman or if I was flying over to New Zealand in general for Challenge Wanaka, but I like they, in the in-flight magazine, they had a big thing about Challenge Wanaka and the picture that they used was like the women's swim start and there was not a very big field. So it was like, you know, six pro women or something going into the water so I was one of they had like used the last year's photo and so it's like oh my gosh I'm in the in-flight magazine and so I'm like laying it out on my you know it's like same thing I'm like ah like anyone see this like (laughs) (laughs) listen you just reminded me though that I did get recognized on the plane on the way to Indian Wells oh that's exciting from a fellow triathlete competitor yes it was just like I was walking down the aisle and she was like, oh, really? Is that- <laughs> was it my mother? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I was walking down the aisle and this guy was like, Haley Chura. And I was like, and I like, everyone has masks on. I did not. I was like, do oh, I recognize him? So Should I supposed yeah. to know him? And I was like, ah. And also I wasn't dressed. Just pull me, as- Alyssa. I just, I literally look at them and I go, do I know you? That's like. <laughs> I think, okay. No, I think no. it was 
Steve Rosinski. I think you know him. He's oh, a pro male. Yeah, yeah. And that was okay. like, I met him at another race because he's friends with you. So actually and, it was someone who kind of knew yeah. me. You. So um, I think that's who it was later when I, but my brain's like, who is this? And I'm like, can't even see his face. And I'm like, like Hi. Hi. and then I just went back to my go. back of the bus, um, back of the plane seat, <laughs> chief seats in the back. But I also was not dressed as, as like bright as normal. And I was impressed that someone recognized me. I, th- I, I, I used to call and- Steve the mayor because he's so good at names and he's so good at remembering people. So don't, you don't have to feel bad if you didn't, if it didn't, he like, that's his thing. He's so okay. good at that. Yeah. Okay. He's also good okay. at triathlon, but he's really good at like people. Oh, that's <laughs> impressive. But it is like, and it's also when you're going to a race, I feel like there's a little bit better chance when I'm just going to like New York City. To yeah, see that's true. People are yeah. probably just not on the lookout for me. <laughs> well, Haley, bringing this back full circle to noon, if our listeners want to pump themselves full of noon immunity, drink a mocktail on their travels this um, holiday season, Head to noonlife.com and use the code Stay Feisty with a capital S and a capital F for 30% off. I also saw they have these like really cool like gift boxes for like personalized like exercise or like, I don't know, I don't, don't quote me on it, but maybe like a relaxing or an energy one and stuff like that. So um, I always do noon as like my go-to stocking stuffer for my family and they love it every year. So just, you know, be like us and and stay feisty, noonlife.com, 30% off. You're welcome. And Alyssa, do we have any mailbag questions this week? Oh, no, Haley. But I'm hopeful that the holiday season, people are going to get a lot of questions from friends and family when they talk about triathlon. And then they're going to be like, you know, that's a great question that I'm just going to pass on to the mailbag and let roll <laughs> off my shoulders and just give it right. Redelegate this question to Alyssa and Haley at the Iron Women podcast. And you can do that by sending the question to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. That's a good idea. Also, you could also like give the answer and then still write into us and be like, would Haley and Alyssa have answered this the same way? I do that sometimes. Like, I get, I feel like I'm just like that kind of person who gets asked for directions a lot. And I have a fairly good sense of direction. But like the other day, I like someone asked me for directions on the street like this. And I gave really bad directions, like really bad. And then I went and like looked at the map afterwards. And I was like, those were bad directions. I was like, oops, sorry. <laughs> but um, next time I'll do better. <laughs> so, Hope you got there. <laughs> double check. I give you the answer and then you can always double check so that if you get asked again, you know for sure. <laughs> or not know for sure. We might, I don't know. You have another opinion. <laughs> but yes, mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to kick off 2022 with a full mailbag. And Haley, tell us who are we chatting with on our last like new podcast of 2021. This one's a, it's a fun conversation because we are, I guess, ending the year, but it's like a bright spot because we're talking to a rookie professional triathlete, Rachel Zelenskis. She just did her very first pro race at Ironman Florida. She finished eighth. And you know, I love this Alyssa because she's a fellow University of Georgia Bulldog, um, actually University of Georgia, Georgia Bulldog swimmer, which is my favorite kind of Georgia Bulldog. Um, she's also an alum. She swam at UGA almost exactly 10 years after me, which is kind of fun. And so we talked to her about her background in swimming and also how her mom helped inspire her to take up triathlon. Uh, Rachel's currently working on her PhD and she had a great age group career and she had qualified to race in Kona 
as an age grouper and she's never done that. And so we talk about why she decided to go pro now rather than wait to race in Hawaii and get that experience and then race pro. She decided to just forego that experience and race pro at Florida. And so we talked to her about that first pro race. I talked to her about that swim, which if anyone remembers was wild and um you know as she's someone with a vast swimming background so we get her opinions on that and what she's hoping for and her goals for 2022 we'll have that conversation right after the break the iron women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to orca sportswear for their continued support in 2021 as someone who isn't a natural born swimmer my choices for swim gear are super important Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim-run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hey Haley, it's officially fall and I am drinking my noon hydration immunity. (laughs) Haha, <laughs> Alyssa, I love a good pun and a good warm fall beverage, but can you tell me a little bit more about this new Immunity 3 product? What does the 3 stand for? It stands for vitamins, electrolytes, and prebiotics, the three keys to staying healthy and hydrated this season. Noon Hydration Immunity 3 comes in mandarin, orange, and superberry flavors, and all Iron Women podcast listeners can get 30% off Immunity 3 and the whole line of Noon Hydration products by using the code STAYFEISTY at NoonLife.com. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. So you recently made your pro debut with an eighth place finish at Ironman Florida. You led the swim and as someone with extensive pool swimming and open water swimming experience, we have to hear your thoughts on this Ironman Florida swim. Was it as chaotic as the swim splits suggest? Absolutely. Um, I, as you, as you mentioned, I have an extensive swim background, including several years of um, competing at a high level in open water swimming. Um, I've swam in oceans, rivers, lakes, and this was absolutely the hardest open water swim that I've ever done in my life. Um, the, the chop and uh, just some of the conditions that we had to deal with were definitely incredibly challenging. Um, You know, my own personal time was 15-ish, you know, 12, 15 minutes slower than um, my best, my best Ironman swim. Um, So it was definitely pretty crazy out there. Were you just swimming like, man, if this is hard for me, like the other people are going to be like, you know, really struggling. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I was thinking, um, first of all, the first, after we finished the first loop, the number one thought on my mind was, oh my gosh, I have to go back in and do it again. Um, And then my other thought was just, I always think about the other competitors, um, you know, and as I was swimming with some of the age groupers on the second loop, it just felt like every man for himself out there. And I definitely was feeling for everyone that, um, you know, might not have the same kind of swim background that I have. It was definitely a huge challenge. So props to everyone for making it through and and no shame to those who couldn't make it through that swim because it was just absolutely insane. Was it just super choppy? Is that what it was? Like the wind? Because could you tell? Was it like, I've done Ironman Florida. I did it years ago. And I do remember it being like harder on the way out and then faster on the way back in. And I do know with that two loop, 
swim, like the second they start the age groupers right after the pros. And so that second right. loop, you're swimming through the age groupers on their first loop, which I found like terrifying because I thought I was going to hurt someone. And so I can only imagine like when you're coming in really fast. And I just remember there was like a sandbar and people were standing up and I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like I just could like see myself running into someone's like lower limbs and like taking them out <laughs> as I'm like yeah, trying to absolutely. body surf in. Yeah, it was um, actually the way out, the way out to the first turn buoy wasn't too bad. Um, it was as soon as you uh, hit the first turn buoy, um, the chop on the way to the second turn buoy was just crazy. So I couldn't see anything. And I was just swimming, especially on the second loop. And I couldn't tell like what was a body and what was a wave hitting me. And it was just wild. Um, and then on the way into the swim finish and into the, um, you know, making that making that first loop, um, it, the current was very strong. So it was hard to kind of take a straight line into the finish. Um, so I definitely got off course um, several times, as did I think the rest of the uh, everyone um, swimming. And there were also jellyfish, which I wasn't expecting. Um, I guess I didn't really do my research about the marine life down in Florida. But um, the first time I thought that I just kind of swam into something um, like a a thorny plant or something that touched my face. Um, but then it happened a few more times and I realized it was actually jellyfish uh, stinging my face. So that was also fun to deal with. That sounds lovely. I have to say it's probably for the best that I wasn't there. So yes. <laughs> um, we want to hear what you thought about the rest of the race, because this wasn't your first Ironman, but a first pro race is always a huge milestone. And as you said, you've been part of elite swimming competitions in the past. So was the whole pro triathlon experience everything you expected? Yeah, it was it was very interesting and very challenging. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of kind of expectations that um, mostly that I put on myself in terms of the swim and just like a lot of people want asking if I was going to be the first out of the water and being the first out of the water, you know, having the cameras following you um, was definitely something that I wasn't used to. Um, and so trying to let that be more exciting than be uh, kind of creating more pressure was something that I tried to do and just tried to enjoy that experience. Um, it was chilly too. So I had to put on some extra gear in the first transition, um, which definitely made it a little bit longer of a transition for me um, as I was kind of fumbling, trying to dry off a little bit and put on some extra layers. And uh, yeah, and then just headed out on the bike. And, um, you know, I think I have a lot to learn in terms of uh, the tactics of racing, um, you know, especially in that pro field, just having so many strong cyclists and um, trying to manage that field uh, throughout the bike. So, um, you know, I was first out of the water, so I got passed by a lot of very strong cyclists. Um, and just trying to really get my head in the race as that was happening was um, what, what I tried to do. And uh, it, was a, it was a challenging bike. And I think it was honestly fairly spread out for, for most people. Um, from what I kind of heard just from uh, people talking afterwards is that every all of the women kind of biked on their own. Uh, so no one, there was no really no real groups forming, just kind of everyone soloing it out there. Um, so uh, that was good. And we had some wins, um, but the last 30, 40 miles or so, uh, we finally caught that tailwind on the way back, which was nice, um, you know, just especially just cranking it out in arrow uh, on a relatively flat course. 
um, and then hopped off the bike and onto the run. And uh, that was also, um, you know, I was trying the whole day just to focus on putting myself in the race, but also trying to enjoy the experience as well. And so it was definitely tense in the terms of seeing, engaging where everyone was on the turnarounds because it was a double out and back. Um, and just, you know, being in that field uh, was so motivating and inspiring. So just trying to really use that as motivation. And I definitely wanted to get in that top 10. So I was kind of taking a note of where everyone was. I had a few people out on the course um, letting me know where people were. Um, and so it was really a different experience from what I'm used to in some of the other age group races that I've done. It's just kind of been me out there trying to think about myself and just trying to race my own race. So this was really the first time that I was kind of using other people as motivation, I feel. And you did hold on to that top 10 finish. You finished eighth, which is a great, <laughs> yes. great pro debut. And you mentioned a little bit about your amateur season. You had an incredible 2021 amateur season. You included age group wins at Ironman Lake Placid and the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in St. George. You had a Kona slot and you've never raced Kona. But as the Ironman World Championships were postponed from October to February to May and then moved to St. George, you decided to forego your chance to race it as an amateur and go pro now. Can you tell us a little bit about that decision? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, as you said, I had a great 2021 season, which was really exciting for me. Um, you know, with everything being canceled in 2020, um, I knew that that year I had made a ton of improvements. Um, and so I was really looking forward to finally showing everything off um, that I'd finally improved on. You know, even in 2019, for most of the season, I was still racing on a road bike. Um, so I was really excited finally when 2021 rolled around um, to finally, you know, show off uh, all the improvements that I had made and just really, really have a great season. And so I really enjoyed all of the age group races that I did and was, you know, my goal ever since I started uh, competing in triathlon was to, was to race at Kona. Um, so when I finally got the spot at Lake Placid, I was so excited, um, you know, really looking forward to it. Several family members were supposed to come on the trip. Um, so hearing, you know, the news of the, the postponements, not one, not once, but twice uh, for me personally, it was difficult to deal with. And, uh, you know, I was kind of faced with the decision after the second postponement of turning pro now or waiting, um, you know, a whole other year to race, uh, to race at Kona. And it was a really difficult decision because Hawaii had been something that I was looking forward to. Um, you know, as I mentioned, not just for this season, but for a really long time, ever since I found out what Kona was, I wanted to be there. Um, so it was a difficult decision. Um, in the moment, I, you know, I really felt, uh, I felt really conflicted about it. Um, I didn't want to feel like I was giving up any kind of experience. Um, but at the end of the day, I kind of just decided that some of my um, other dreams and goals that have developed ever since I started um, racing um, were a little bit more um, not important um, because, you know, I think I, I still want to get to Kona one day, um, but they were just a little bit more, uh, they felt a little bit more tangible if I would start racing professionally now. Um, and I really was just looking forward to a challenge. Um, and, you know, racing Kona obviously would have been, as an age grouper, would have absolutely been a huge challenge. But 
I guess I was just looking a little bit more for some of those challenges sooner. Um, so I really wanted to kind of put myself into that field and put myself into the mix. And, um, you know, now that I've raced Florida and now that I'm looking forward to the 2022 season, I definitely am very at peace with my decision. And based on the Florida race and result, I have no doubt that you will be <laughs> on a track to Kona eventually um, to race there. So thanks for sharing kind of what went into that decision. Yeah, thank you. And Rachel, we've mentioned your swimming career a few times now, and we want to go all the way back and ask about high school swimming, because we believe that your family actually moved so you could train with a certain coach and swim team. So can you tell us if we're right on that? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm from originally from a very small town. Uh, the name of the town is Indiana in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, so that's where I grew up. And I was kind of started my elite swimming journey when I was six years old. Um, and there aren't a ton of elite swimming opportunities um, in rural Western Pennsylvania. Um, so we had started commuting 60 miles one way, uh, just so that I could swim on kind of a more um, elite club. And once I reached high school age, we were still doing these commutes and it was getting really tough um, as I was getting into, you know, academics of high school. It's a little bit harder as you get older. And um, still some of the options in Western Pennsylvania weren't um, necessarily great paired with that commute. So we looked into just a few options on the Eastern side of the state, a few maybe private schools or, or maybe even boarding schools that I could attend. And uh, we got connected with Dick Schulberg at Germantown Academy. Um, he was the coach there at the time. And uh, we had a phone call with him and he is just a legendary uh, coach. And uh, just from talking with him on the phone, I knew that uh, he was someone that I definitely wanted to meet and was very interested in being his athlete. And so we drove out uh, for a visit there um, and I just absolutely fell in love with the program. Very old school. Um, you know, it was it was high yardage, high volume um, and the culture there, just the culture that he had cultivated at this program was just something that uh, seemed very prestigious to me and something that I really wanted to be a part of. And uh, again, it paired well with just my goals in elite swimming. I, it felt like the next logical step for me to take. Um, so the only problem was that it was four and a half hours away from where we lived. So uh, we made the decision um, that my mom would move out there with me uh, for three years. Um, and so as a sophomore in high school, I made the move. My mom and I lived in a small apartment uh, while the rest of my family, my dad was a high school teacher and a high school football coach. Um, uh, and we didn't want to disrupt his profession as well as my younger brother, uh, who was a football player, didn't want to disrupt his career. Um, so they stayed on the western side of the state. And uh, we just did weekend family visits uh, while I lived out there and finished out my high school swim career at Germantown. And Germantown, like you said, is known for being really high volume. I've heard alumni yeah. talk about swimming like straight 4,000 meter IMs and doing well over 10,000 meters in a single session. Can you share any good Germantown workouts with us? Oh, absolutely. There's a few classics. Um, one of the classics, uh, as I started getting into open water swimming, there's a few other uh, guys on the team as well. Um, Arthur Frailer was one of them. He had a really great open water career um, and swam at Florida. And um, 
we started every Wednesday doing a set that we called Open Water Wednesday. Uh, we didn't train in the open water at all being in Pennsylvania, um, but we tried to mimic some of that, um, you know, some of the, the 10K open water races in the pool. And so in addition to just 10,000 straight, which I've done many of, um, we also did this set every Wednesday, which was three 3,000 yard swims, descend one to three, and then um, a 1,000 for time. So that's a 10,000 yard set. So we would do a quick little warm up <laughs> and then three 3,000s uh, descend and then a 1,000 for time. Um, and then some other kind of classics are we would do things like uh, 325s of butterfly on the 20 seconds. So basically you would just be swimming butterfly straight for a very long time. Um, or on uh, Schulberg's 72nd birthday, we did something like 7225, 7250s, 7275s, and then a 7200 straight. So I think the total was like 15,000 yards or something. On You're like, day. wait, so wait, why are you so old? That... Why are you so old, Coach Schulberg? <laughs> we missed your 21st birthday. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So just crazy stuff that's even saying it out loud now. I'm just like, I can't even believe that I did that, let alone as like a 17 year old girl. So just wild. I think that's one of like, one of my favorite things is listening to swimmers talk about things like that, because yeah. it really helps me when I'm like dying in the pool on like a 5k swim. I'll be like, okay, well, at least I'm not repeating this three more times. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, much respect for that. So while you were in high school, you were competing in open water 10K races, and you made it on the USA Swimming National Junior Team and even finished third in the Junior Pan Pack 10K open water event in 2012. So 10K in open water is a long way to swim for someone who isn't even 18 years old. So did you just try and, you know, you weren't even living in somewhere where open water swimming was like, you know, tons of it going on, as you said. So did you just try it at some point and immediately excel and know like that was something to pursue? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had a few swimmers on our team that had a lot of success with open water, uh, one of them being um, the late Fran Crippen, um, who actually passed away um, during an open water race. Um, so we just had a few people that were really influential in the sport of open water swimming. Um, Schulberg himself being a huge advocate uh, for the sport, as well as the safety um, of open water swimming, especially um, following Fran's passing. Uh, so just the culture of it there was just uh, very honorable. Um, and so it was something that I wanted to try and something um, I kind of have always been known for my entire swimming career as not necessarily having the best form or the best speed, um, but just being someone that was able to outlast uh, some of the competition. So the longer, the better for me. Um, so I started, I did try open water for the first time in 2011 and um uh on that race i think i i i qualified for the the junior um national team in that race and then i went on um and just yeah after having that success it just seemed like something that would be a great future for me um and i ended up um finishing seventh at the u.s olympic trials in open water swimming uh, so it definitely seemed like a good option for me and the kind of the aspects of my technique and form that weren't maybe as desirable in the pool were really well suited to open water on um, just some of my tempo and, you know, other things like that. 
Um, I ended up tearing my rotator cuff in college, um, so I didn't really pursue open water further after that. Um, but, you know, it was something that I always enjoyed doing and, and was successful at and, you know, could maybe could have, would have, should have there a little bit if I would have been able to pursue it a little bit further. Um, but I did enjoy the experiences that I did have and I'm happy to be doing open water in some way, shape or form now. Yeah, so. I was just going to add that back. I mean, hey, it might be the perfect form for uh, Panama City Beach on a blustery day. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to add a little context, um, Junior Pan Packs is a huge deal in the swimming world. And it's an international competition. And if you take a quick scan, I did a quick scan of Team USA's 2012 roster and there are a few names on there that are, they've become household staples during recent Olympic games. Names like Simone Manuel, Olivia Smolga, Kathleen Baker. Did that trip teach you anything about what it took to be one of the best in the world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was fortunate to go on a few of the um, USA Swimming National Junior Team trips. And um, on those trips, you're, you're really exposed to competition at an international elite level, which is something, you know, especially from a small town that I'd never been exposed to before. Uh, so just kind of seeing um, the different resources uh, that are available through USA Swimming. Um, and the whole point of doing these junior team trips is to give people like me the opportunity um, to kind of mold them into elite level swimmers. So like you said, a lot of people that are on these national junior team trips eventually turn into the Olympians that we watch uh, every four years uh, swimming in the Olympics. So they were incredible for me um, just to be exposed, like I said, to the resources that USA Swimming has available. Um, you know, they would outfit us in all this gear, um, you know, bring along high performance um, staff that were, you know, videoed us and kind of broke down our technique in between prelims and finals, um, you know, did everything for us in terms of the arrangements and the nutrition and all of that stuff. Um, and all the while giving us experience of racing um, other elite juniors on an international level. Um, so, and all while building camaraderie about representing the USA, which I think is kind of the most important thing for me on those trips is, uh, you know, it's very special representing your country on an international level. And that experience and that feeling of representing USA was something that I just wanted to chase again and again and again. Um, and, you know, creating that team bond while you're competing for something bigger than yourself, I think is a huge motivator in these uh, international competitions to kind of pursue them even more and at a higher level. And Rachel, the Iron Women podcast has an obvious bias towards University of Georgia swimming <laughs> alumni as Haley has won me over and some of our past guests. So we'd love to hear why you chose to swim for Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was kind of um, all set on actually going to the University of Florida kind of before I even took all my recruiting trips. Uh, some of my um, Germantown Academy idols uh, swam for University of Florida. So I was just, uh, that was kind of my choice before I even took any of my recruiting trips. But um and the University of Florida also has an incredible swim program as well. So it made it made sense. Um, but after I did decide to take two additional um, recruiting trips, uh, Georgia was my first trip. 
And from the second I stepped on campus, I just fell in love with every aspect of the trip. Um, you know, just meeting the coaches at the airport and then having, you know, a 90 minute drive back and just talking with the coaches. Um, it was, that's when it started. And just every other element of the, um, of the weekend in my recruiting trip um, just continued to uh, make me fall in love with the school even more. And I think what it came down to was I had such an awesome experience um, in high school because I really felt a strong sense of culture and commitment in that program. And I felt all of those elements, uh, you know, really especially at Georgia, just the culture that um, Jack and Harvey had created there. Both of them were there for many, many years, and it was clear that they were very committed and really loved the program. And that was very important to me, um, you know, just feeling that and feeling like it was, you know, not just about creating really great swimmers, but about creating really great people as well. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got um, when looking at schools was to choose a place where you felt that, you know, if swimming ever fell through, like if something ever happened that you, uh, you know, couldn't swim anymore, pick a place where you would like to be anyways. And I really felt that at Georgia. And, you know, I did suffer an injury that kind of derailed my career a little bit. And uh, the support that I felt there, um, even when I wasn't swimming, um, and when I wasn't swimming at my best was still uh, just kind of solidified that that was a good piece of advice and that I picked the right place. Athens, Georgia is a special place. Uh, the Gabriel Sumnatorium yes, is. is a special <laughs> place. But um, we want to make sure everyone knows that your first two years at UJ, they were incredible. You helped your, your freshman year, you helped the team win the 2014 National Championship. In 2015, you were an individual All-American, top eight finishes in the 1650 and the 500-yard freestyle events. It really looked like you were putting yourself in the ideal situation heading into those 2016 Olympic trials. And then as you've mentioned several times already, you had a major setback uh, in the form of every summer's worst nightmare, a shoulder injury. So can you tell us a little bit more specifically about that injury and that recovery process? Yeah, so it was uh, the fall and winter of my sophomore year. I started feeling this recurring shoulder pain in my left shoulder. Um, so we just kind of thought it was tendonitis at first. Uh, we just tried to rehab, treat, treat it. And um, I ended up getting a cortisone shot. And it was right after kind of our big fall invite. Um, I got a cortisone shot and then we're like, and they said, let's do an MRI, you know, just to be sure that it's nothing else. Um, but I kind of was like, all right, it's not going to be anything. Let's get this cortisone shot, put this behind me, move on with the rest of my season. Um, and then, you know, about a week later, I got the news that it was actually um, a 90% tear in my rotator cuff. Um, and, you know, I could have the decision to stop and get surgery right then or to try and finish out the rest of the season. Um, but surgery was pretty much uh, the only option if I wanted to continue swimming long term. Um, so I did decide to finish out the rest of my sophomore year and uh, before I got the repair surgery. And I kicked a lot um, <laughs> for about, you know, four weeks after that, I pretty much only kicked. Um, I didn't really take many strokes uh, leading into SEC championships. I did not swim very well there. I kind of barely scraped by enough to um to help my team out uh, i think we ended up winning secs that year um 
And I was not expecting to do well at all going into NCAA championships. I was able to swim a little bit more uh, following then. Um, and I ended up uh, having the meat of my life there, um, <laughs> getting sixth in the mile and eighth in the 500, uh, which was really great to have that experience, um, you know, before I got the surgery. And uh, after the surgery, I had a pretty much spent the entire summer recovering on um, the resources in terms of the physical therapy and the recovery modalities that they had at Georgia, you know, for any athlete uh, are just second to none. Um, and then I actually ended up breaking my right elbow at the very end of the summer, right before I was about to get back in the water. I was on a run with my mom and tripped over a piece of sidewalk and broke my arm. So that, you know, derailed me even further. Um, but yeah, so then I, you know, slowly, very, very slowly, uh, started building up again in the water. Um, but it was tough, you know, after that injury, kind of everything about my body composition changed. Um, I wasn't really able to do uh, hardly any upper body strength work other than just the rehabilitation exercises. Um, so it, it definitely changed the course of my career. Um, I did, you know, I was able they did tell me I would, you know, maybe never swim butterfly again. And then I ended up getting a best time in the 400 IM. So, you know, I did have some glimpses of success thereafter. Um, but yeah, I just kind of had to accept the fate that I was given and move forward with it in the best way that I possibly could and, and still had a great two more years at Georgia, despite that disappointment. And you were featured in a USA Swimming article several years ago. And in it, you talk about coming back from that shoulder injury and how at the time, you felt like a failure because you didn't place as high and your times weren't as fast as they were pre-injury. And in the article you say, and this is the quote, I wish I could go back and tell myself to be proud of the effort I gave and the person I became because of it, end quote. So do you think that your past experience now allows you to be kinder to yourself when you're evaluating current results and you know triathlon and things that you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, um, yeah, as I kind of alluded to in that quote, I was very hard on myself um, following the injury. I think a lot of it was because, uh, you know, I had people tell me after the surgery, um, you know, you're so tough and you're going to come back and you're going to come back better than ever. Um, and I, I wanted that for myself and I wanted that for all of the people telling me that as well. Um, so I think I just kind of put all of this pressure that was very unnecessary on myself. Um, and didn't fully enjoy a lot of those experiences when they were happening. Um, I, you know, I, we still had awesome success as a team. My junior year, we had an insane NCAAs where we were the huge underdogs and ended up winning. Um, and, you know, still, even though that experience was so awesome, I still felt some form of personal failure. Uh, and so I just regret not enjoying um, the things that I was able to do and the, you know, the obstacles that I was able to overcome. So moving into my triathlon career, um, I honestly never expected to be competing at a high level in triathlon. It was kind of, you know, for me, it was more of like a bucket list kind of item. Like I, I knew that I wanted to do it. Uh, I knew that I wanted to do an Ironman one day, but, um, you know, I thought, yeah, I want to finish an Ironman one day. So I never expected to be competing at this level. Um, so I think it's just given me this perspective that being able to compete in sport is a huge gift. Um, and if you're not having fun and if you're not 
enjoying it, um, then, you know, it's not, it's not going to be um, as fulfilling as it could be. So having that perspective really allowed me, um, you know, moving forward in my triathlon career to kind of take every moment as a gift. And every moment feels like a surprise to me. Um, every opportunity feels uh, new and unexpected, uh, which is really cool. And I'm sure as I get more competitive, I might, you know, deal with putting that pressure on myself a little bit more. But I think as I've aged and matured a little bit more that I'm, I feel lucky to have that uh, experience and that perspective to help me. We mentioned your family earlier and their support of your athletic endeavors in high school. You know, you lived in separate places and you just mentioned going for a run with your mom. Can you tell us a little bit more about your mom specifically and how she inspired you to start triathlon? Uh, so my mom, um, she competed in triathlons when she was uh, a little bit younger. Um, before she had us, I have an older sister and a younger brother. Um, so she got in a serious car accident when she was, uh, younger and that's, um, when she took up swimming. Um, and then she, you know, got into her and my dad both enjoyed cycling and she always enjoyed running. So she competed in a few triathlons and then she kind of took a break from that. Um, when she had her kids who took up a lot of her time. And so we actually signed up for, uh, our first half Ironman together. So that was kind of, um, you know, what started the whole thing is she always knew that she wanted to do uh, half Ironmans and, and maybe an Ironman one day. Um, so we signed up for that together in 2018. And um, she has really fallen in love with the sport as well and has really kind of um, taken to committing herself uh, to, to race in half Ironman races. And it's just been something that we have shared, which has been, has made uh, this whole experience of my triathlon career even more fulfilling uh, is that we travel to a lot of our races together, um, whether both of us are racing, which is usually the case, um, or we're just one, one of us there supporting each other. Um, it's so awesome to have her out there. And sometimes I even get to see a glimpse of her on the course, which just, which just really gives me like a boost as I'm out there. Um, even though I'm worrying about her the whole time, uh, we, we are both racing at... Um, Ironman 70.3 World Championships in St. George uh, when we had like a crazy storm um, on the bike. So of course, the whole time when I'm out there on the bike trying not to blow away in the wind, I'm worrying about my mom. <laughs> um, but then I, I, you know, I think I caught a glimpse of her later and I knew that she was okay. And so um, it's definitely just a very motivating experience to have your mom out there with you. Um, and the rest of my family just being so supportive as well in all of our endeavors. When you and your mom travel to a race together, are you staying together and doing like training pre-race together? Do you, or do you each do your own thing? How does that work? Yeah, so we we do stay together. Um, you know, we do kind of do all of our training uh, separate now. Sometimes we'll, um, you know, we usually share routes or stuff like that. Uh, we, we talk about all of our training. Um, we actually very recently uh, have the same coach. Um, I've been working with the same coach for uh, since 2018, since I started, and she started working with him as well. Uh, so that's been really fun, too, to kind of talk about um, our sessions and, and break them down. And uh, But yeah, so we do our own thing kind of in the training, but we always stay together. Um, we always kind of help each other out and getting stuff ready. Uh, we, we both um, like to kind of prepare our own foods uh, just to kind of you know, eliminate that variable. So we cook our food together. And she's also my lucky hair braider. So she always has to braid my hair the morning of a race as well. 
while you were at UGA, you were also an outstanding student athlete, and I believe you're currently working on your PhD in biostatistics at the University of Minnesota while you live in Scottsdale, Arizona. So can you tell us about that setup and how you make that all work? Yeah, so I started my PhD in biostats uh, the fall after I graduated from Georgia, and so I lived in Minneapolis, um, and yeah, as I was transitioning um, to competing in triathlon, it was very tough. I did, I honestly didn't think that I was going to be able to balance both. Um, but luckily, I had that experience as a student athlete in college, um, and I kind of did put triathlon on the back burner for a little bit as I started grad school. But I realized, you know, that I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily happy with not having the balance of including. Um, athletics in my life. Um, so I just realized that my schedule might look a little bit different than some of my peers in, um, in my PhD program, and that that's okay, as long as I can make it work for myself. Uh, so I have and I, you know, I, I definitely there's a lot of really early mornings, and a lot of times where I have to, you know, really sit down and think about what I have to prioritize to get done for that day. Um, you know, some days I feel like I'm a really, really good triathlete and maybe, uh, you know, uh, average PhD student, maybe a little bit below average in terms of the commitment that I put into each of those things. And then some days it's the reverse where, you know, I put a lot of time into my work and my studies. Um, and then maybe my training suffers a little bit. Um, and, you know, most days I think I do a pretty okay job at both. Um, so it's just kind of all about deciding what the priority is and uh, trying to make everything fit around that priority. Um, and in the spring of 2020, I came on uh, my spring break out to Scottsdale, uh, where my parents live, and I have not really left since then. Um, so I stayed kind of during the whole COVID lockdown quarantine. Um, and then I moved back to Minnesota briefly in the fall of 2021, uh, so a few months ago. And um, I just really struggled. I wasn't really happy with where I was living. Um, there was a few safety concerns uh, just with where I was living. Um, and it made it hard for me to do my training and to feel safe, you know, you know, walking out the front door and getting my sessions in. Um, so I decided to move back to Arizona. And I'm at the point in my program where I'm not in any classes. So all I'm doing is working on my research assistantship work and my dissertation. So luckily, I have a very supportive advisor. All of that work has been has been remaining, uh, you know, virtual anyways. So it seemed like a good setup for me. Um, and so he he trusts me as long as I get my work done and do my job, um, you know, that I don't have to be present in, in Minnesota. And so hopefully this will work out and I can uh, finish my degree in the spring of 2023. And a few weeks ago, we did some rapid fire questions with world champ and fellow super swimmer, Lucy Charles Barclay. And since this episode may be released just before our holiday break, we wanted to bring it back as a fun way to end our 2021 podcasting season. So some of these Lucy answered herself, we can compare answers, but we are curious about your answers for those and, and the other ones we came up with. So the first one for the rapid fire here, Rachel what do you think the hardest swim event is? 200 backstroke, 400 IM, 1500 meter free, or the 10K open water? Uh, definitely the 10K open water. Ooh, that's interesting. I don't think we threw that one out to Lucy. Yeah, we didn't add that didn't, to Lucy. <laughs> she didn't quite have the uh, extensive experience that you did, but um, that, yeah, I've never, I've never, have you yeah. done a 10K open water, Alyssa? No. 
No. Yeah, neither have I. And then <laughs> I can't. Well, I've, done, I've done like a fake tent. I did like one it's on tough. my own. Um, I did the like Ultraman Hawaii swim um, with Hillary one time on my own. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, it took me, I don't even, I feel like it took like four and a half hours. Like it, I was out there lost in the middle of the ocean. I got seasick. It was, I didn't think I was going to, I actually, I yeah. used paddles. Like it didn't even count, but it was, it was really hard. <laughs> Well, it's it's honestly the toughest part is that you're swimming in a pack, which actually isn't that bad. You're kind of in a groove the whole time, but then you have to deal. I've gotten a black eye every single open water race that I did. Not in not in triathlon. I've never gotten one then, but every uh, USA swimming one that I did. And then you have to sprint like the last 400 meters because it's like you're in a pack the whole time and then you're just drained and then you have to sprint for like 400 meters. <laughs> I watched the Olympics. It was intense. So like blowing those whistles, giving out penalties. It's uh, a, it is intense, but um, good to know. We got the official verdict here. Uh, Next question. We know you love to bake. (laughs) What is your favorite holiday baked good? Oh my goodness. Um, I would have to say carrot cake, Mm. um, which is a little bit of a a curveball there, but yeah. Any time of year. Sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. It's usually an Easter thing, but and other than baking, what would be your favorite off-season activity? Mm, I actually like to uh, paint, so doing that. Should the University of Georgia, the next time we get together for a swimming reunion, should it include an alumni triathlon? Yes, it absolutely should. <laughs> we have a lot, we have a right? Few people. We have a few people that would crush it. <laughs> I mean, I might just be biased, like, again, because of, like, what I pay attention to, but I feel like there are a lot of UGA swim- swimming alums on both sides, men's and women's, but especially the women's side, who have yeah. done Ironman very well. Or I Sheila, like we Sheila Caramina, do... who can, who she did yes. Olympic distance very well. We should actually do a males versus females, because I think that the women would absolutely crush crush it. That's what I think. <laughs> I think you would be right. I think knowing the guys that I've seen at a few races, um, I think you'd be right. But I let's make this happen. Yeah. How do we make this happen? You're the yes. you're young, you can figure it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question and the giveaway that Haley wrote the rapid fire is is this the year that Georgia football finally wins a national championship? Oh my goodness. I wanna say yes, but you know the curse of being a Georgia sports fan. <laughs> Is that when everything's going great, there's usually one thing that, um, that knocks us down, but I'm going to say yes. Good answer, Rachel. I know it it is hard. It is hard to be a Georgia football fan. I mean, it is just our burden to bear. Um, (laughs) have you set any triathlon goals for 2022? Uh, yes, I have. I think, um, you know, a, a Kona qualification is a lofty goal, uh, but I think it's, you know, it's one that why not chase it and why not start in 2022? So do you have a dream sponsor? Anyone out there that might be listening even <laughs> that you want to throw out as your dream sponsor? Um, yeah, well, I, you know, in addition to um, Roka swimsuit, uh, swimming and, and uh, wetsuits that I absolutely love, I love their products. Um I also, you know, would love to get a new bike um, and specifically just seeing the, um, the new Trek speed concepts. I'm just been absolutely geeking out over that the, the past week or so. So that would, that would be a dream. I love this. That's my, my favorite questions because we get such a variety of answers. Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Lu- Lucy wants Christian Louboutin heels. So slightly different. 
It's okay. Today I was spot. Today I was googling. Does Hot Pockets sponsor anyone? So you know my dream sponsor. <laughs> Let's get Alyssa a Hot Pocket sponsorship and Rachel Trek Speed Concept. Um, last for, wait for the record. Allegedly, Hot Pockets sponsors Snoop sponsors Snoop Dogg. Oh, I mean, interesting. That's what I found. They out. need a you. They need a, a triathlete to their roster, right? Snoop can handle <laughs> yes. all the music. They need to diversify their profile. Cannabis, yeah, like that crowd. And you're <laughs> that different. crowd. And yeah, yeah. So, you know. um, see, this is how these things work. But uh, last question, Rachel. So I, you know, you re- you first race Ironman as a bucket list event. Other than Kona, obviously, do you have any other bucket list races that you really want to do? Um, yeah, I I don't have a specific one in mind, um, but I would love. I've never been to Europe, so I would love to race uh, one of the Ironman races over there. Um, just some of the swim courses, especially, look absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so I would love, I would love to do like a destination to Europe. Oh, I think I'm like dreaming of all the European trips I got to take when I started racing pro. Yeah. And I would definitely say, you know, racing in Copenhagen is very special. Racing in Switzerland, I think is very, the yeah. swim in, in Switzerland is like really, really cool. So, yeah. um, yeah. yes, that's like the perfect place to go have some bucket list racing and swims to knock out over there. Um, but Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. We really look forward to seeing you hit the ground running in the pro field in 2022 and can't wait to see what you can do. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Haley, have you ever realized that skincare is an all season job? It really is. Alyssa winter can be just as harsh on my skin as the summertime sun. I rely on Zelio skincare products to get me through every season here in Montana. My favorite winter products are the body lotion, lip protection, and of course, Betwixt chamois cream. Mine too. And our Iron Women listeners can also stock up on Zelio's products for the season ahead. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 15% off. That's right, get 15% off at teamzelios.com using code IRONWOMEN. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com/ironwomen and get started. You know, Haley, I was realizing as I was prepping for this interview that prepping to chat with Rachel was an awful lot like prep- prepping to interview you. Did you feel like you were just talking to the younger version of me? I wonder if our listeners, they can write in and ask if they felt like they just like listened to someone who was 10 years younger than me. <laughs> but, um, no, it was, it was wild for me too. Cause honestly, I got a little uncomfortable going through some of Rachel's Instagram photos because like she has photos that are like in exact location that I have taken photos like on the University of Georgia campus, but with like different people. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a little bit creepy, a little weird. But talking to her, I think it makes me excited that, you know, there's up and coming people coming through and 
um, you know, a little nostalgic for those early pro days, but I also, you know, appreciate that she's in the sport, but Alyssa, I did, I did send you an email (laughs) when we were prepping because I was like, I now know what Taylor and Phoebe were singing about. So if anyone gets that reference, doesn't get that reference, go listen to uh, Nothing New by Taylor Swift featuring Phoebe Bridgers on the red Taylor's version. I think, are we going to be able to include some of that? I think we're going to be able to tease it a little bit with about 15 seconds, give or take, um, coming up next. So we leave you all for the holiday season with that treat. And Haley, well, thanks to all of our listeners for sticking with us through another year. We are excited for everything that's to come in 2022. Thank you so much to our sponsors. We could not do it without you either. Um, and it's been it's been another great run. So Haley, I will wish you Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, and I'll talk to you in January. Bye, Alyssa. How can a person know everything at 18 but nothing at 22? And we still want me when I'm nothing new. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.